again to everyone here for the way that you've blessed me. Last week we talked about not just speaking blessing into people's life, but actually being a blessing, doing tangible things that uh, show people that we care about them. And so I hope that you, uh, you've tried to do that this week, tried to bless some of the people in your life. I can say this to you today, that it is not something that comes naturally to us. We are, if you haven't figured this out yet at this point in your life, I'm sorry to be the one to break it to you, but by nature, you are a selfish person. And everyone said, <laughs> no, really, <laughs> you are a selfish person. We all are. And that's just our nature. It's, it's their nature. And uh, I, I, want to, I want us to recognize today that God has put his name on you. If you are a Christian today, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, then you have received the name of Jesus and therefore, you have his name. If you have his name, your job is to be an extension of God himself. You are called to be a blessing to the people in your life. You're called to be a blessing to your children, to your spouse, to your neighbors, to the people you work with. You're called to be a, a blessing and to pronounce blessing on the people around you. This is what it means to truly be Christian. Now, I want to remind everybody today that, uh, that the blessing is the most ancient aspect of our faith. In fact, the very first spiritual experience that any human being ever ever experienced was, in fact, the blessing. And we see that right, at the, right in Genesis at the very beginning. After God created man and, uh, and woman, he blessed them and told them to be fruitful and multiply. So you understand today, then, that the blessing is significant. The question that I have for all of us today is, if it's so significant, if it's so ancient, if it's such an integral part of our faith, then how is it that so few of us really understand it or know anything about it? And so we're hoping that over the next few weeks that we'll begin to truly understand what it means to be a blessing to people and how to bless the people in our lives. This morning, we're talking about uh, your responsibility to bless your children. If you are a a parent today, uh, if you have children... If you are a Sunday school teacher or a kids club worker, your job is to bless those children in your care. Now, after the first service this morning, we had a special time of blessing. We blessed our Sunday school teachers. And Marilyn Wedlake asked me if I would do the same thing after this service for those who are involved in kids club. So those who are involved in kids club, I'm going to call you forward after the service to pray for you and just just to commission you, commit you to God as you serve God in kids club. But now let's just back up for a moment now. We just saw this very interesting video clip. How many recognize it as from Fiddler on the Roof? Everybody recognizes that? Uh, if, you're, if you're 50 or over, you probably know it. If you're under 50, it's, it's all brand new to you. Uh, I would say that that's probably one of my favorite, favorite movies. I saw some of you singing along. Uh, I, I was singing along, too, uh, in my own way. Um, it, it, is truly, it is truly one of the great movies. Now, I mentioned it last week as a movie uh, that deals with Jewish life. And I said that, that the blessing and blessing was part of the Jewish experience. Well, folks, it's not just part of the Jewish experience. It's supposed to be part of the Christian experience. And so... Um, the, the, the thing that we're going to talk about today is how to bless the children in our lives. If you're a parent, how to bless your children. If you're working with children, how to bless those children that are in your care. Um, the custom then, every, every Friday night, at the beginning of Shabbat, which is the, the Jewish Sabbath, 
is that the family gathers around the table and the mother uh, goes through her, uh, her special ceremony of blessing, inviting God to come into the home and, and to renew and refresh the family. And then the father pronounces a blessing upon the kids. He lays his hands on the kids' heads and he blesses them. And he casts a vision for them of a great future, of a great life. Now, I want, I want you to stop and consider that for a moment. Because, folks, listen to me. If you're a parent today, that really is your chief job. Your job is to, is to envision for your children a great life. Now, I don't know about you, but I think you're probably the same as me and Gloria, uh, or Gloria and I, uh, and you would say that the thing that you want more than anything for your kids is that they would have a blessed life, right? Isn't that right? Parents, would you say amen to that? Yeah, yeah, you want your kids to have a great life. You don't want them to have misery. You don't want them to face difficulty or struggle. In fact, you'd like them to be as free of problems and struggles and sufferings as possible. Well, I'm going to tell you today, it's impossible to be absolutely 100% free of difficulty. But I can tell you this, that your children can have a relatively good life if they would receive from you the blessing that God would have them receive but the question is, is how do we do that? And is it, does it really work? Well, consider this. Does the blessing of children work? Now, remember, the, the Jewish people have been doing this for thousands of years. Every Friday night, from Friday sundown to Saturday sundown, they have their Sabbath celebration. At the beginning of every celebration, every week, for thousands of years, Jewish families all over the world have been pronouncing blessings upon their children. I, uh, I did some, some uh, just fed some questions into my Google search engine. And, uh, and, and uh, one of the things that I, I searched was, um, was a number, the number of Nobel laureates who are Jewish. Now listen to this. This is amazing. I'm going to ask the question, do blessings, do bless, does blessing your children really work? Listen to this. Out of the total of 684 Nobel laureates in the sciences... A full 22.66% of them have been of Jewish lineage. Now you say, wow, that's pretty impressive, but you don't really fully understand the significance until you begin to dig a little deeper. Listen to this. An amazing list of achievements. This is an amazing list of achievements for a people who comprise just 0.1955% of the world's population. Think about that. Not even 1% of the world's population. Nowhere near 1% of the world's population. And 22.66% of those Nobel laureates, the highest prize in science, awarded to just one person every year. And 22.66% of them are of Jewish lineage. Listen to this. This is a, st- a statistical over-representation of Jewish people among Nobel Prize laureates to the value of 11,590.793%. It's It's staggering. It shouldn't be. Statistically, it shouldn't be. If, now, that would be like 115.9 times as many Jewish Nobel laureates as there would be of every other race if they had equal representation among the Nobel Prize winners. So think about that for a moment. All of these Nobel Prize winners in the sciences among one small, tiny race. Now, I want you to understand something. We, if you go back into the scriptures, especially to Genesis chapter uh, 12, you see that God blesses Abraham and says that his seed or his, his, his uh, line 
would be blessed. In fact, not only would the Jewish people be blessed, but they would be a blessing to the world. And if you, if you do some research on this, you will discover that many of the great scientific discoveries that have benefited mankind have come through the Jewish people, the people chosen by God. Does a blessing upon your children matter? I would say to you today, absolutely, 100%, without a doubt. And I can tell you this, that if, if you have little children, then this is, this is fantastic news. If you begin to truly bless your children, you will see your children achieve and do great and wonderful things. Now, some of you, are, you know, you're here today and you say, well, my kids are growing up. Is it too late? Can I just remind everybody of some today? You don't stop being a parent until you die or your kids die. You continue to be a parent. And your job is to continue to bless your kids. And I'm going to tell you today how you can be a blessing to your kids, how to bless your children. You want your kids to be blessed, and you want them to have a blessed life. So I'm going to tell you how. And the first thing that that you need to do if you want to bless your children, and now remember, it doesn't matter how old they are. You can bless your kids no matter how old they are. But the first thing you need to do is you need to be with your kids. Isn't that profound? You have to be with them. I don't mean just be in the same room. But your heart needs to connect with your kids' hearts. And they got to know that your heart's connecting with them. Many of us, if we were to ask our kids, we'd be shocked at what our kids would say about our relationship with them. The fact of the matter is, is that your kids need to know that you have a relationship with them. No matter how old they are or how young they are. Look what it says here in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 to 7. God has just given the children of Israel the commands, the Ten Commandments. And here's what God says about these commands. He says, you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands. Does everybody understand what we're talking about when we talk about the commands of God? We're talking about the Ten Commandments. We're talking about guidance, instruction for living. Now, a lot of people, when you hear command, they, they immediately react like, oh, no, that's, just, that's a downer. I don't, don't, don't talk about commands and demands on me. Just let me live. Can I just remind everybody of something today? God's commands have been given to us so that we'll have a good life. Does everybody understand that today? Those commands are given by a loving God, a loving Father who wants His children to enjoy and have a good life. So God says you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands. And then it says this in verse 7. Now this is really important because you you get an understanding here of what God is looking for in us. He wants us to have a relationship with our children. Look at this. God says, repeat the commands. Repeat them again and again. Now, the, the, the thought that comes across here is that, is that this is an ongoing relationship. That there is, this is not just once in a while, but this is an ongoing day-by-day uh, experience with your kids. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home. And talk about them when you're on the road. And talk about them when you're going to bed. And talk about it when they're getting up and having breakfast. But you're constantly connecting and having a relationship with God. Now, there's more to this verse, and we're going to talk, we're going to unpack this a bit more. But the first thing, first thing that we all need to know is that God is calling us to have a relationship with the children that He's entrusted to us. That means that your kids must know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you love them, that they are loved, that they are important to you. Parents, 
Do your kids know how very important they are to you? I've been in the ministry for 30 years, and I have done a lot of counseling. I have faced, I've helped families deal with problems, lots of problems. And here's what I've discovered. Unless unless we're talking about uh, very exceptional circumstances, like illness or, 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 or things like that, here's what I've discovered almost nine, nine times out of ten, that if there's a problem with the kids, it's because the child has no relationship with mother and father, and particularly with father. Did you hear that? Fathers, you have no idea how important you are. Mothers, you are so important to your kids' lives. You show me a happy child, a happy young person, a happy teenager, a young person who's, who's, who's calm, cool, collected, and coping well with life, and I'll show you someone who's got an excellent relationship with mom and dad. It's just the way it is. Now, let me, let me just expand that a bit more. So God says that we're supposed to spend time with our kids, that our kids are priority one. For me personally, I don't have uh, any, any hobbies. My, my one hobby is my kids. Some said, do you golf? Do you play tennis? Do you play hockey? I, I say, no, my, my hobby is my kids. All I have time for is full-time ministry and my kids. And if my kids should want to play hockey, or if my kids should want to go golfing, or if my kids should want to go hiking, or go mountain climbing, or whatever, then yes, I do golf, I do mountain climb, I do play tennis, I do swim. But it's, my kids are number one. And they know that. They know that they are number one in my life. That they're the most important people to me. That they come before, even before my church, even before the people in my church, my kids still come number one. Now I want to ask you, do your kids... Know that they're your number one priority? Or would they say that they were somewhere down the list? How many kids, how many children are struggling, suffering, or in juvenile detention homes because, because they feel that they are unwanted, unloved, that they're not the parent's first priority? This is our priority, to make sure our kids feel that they are loved and accepted. Now, look, at this should not come as a surprise to anybody. You've heard me say over and over and over again what the purpose and what the, what the meaning of life is. What is the meaning of life? What is life about? And it can be summed up in one word. What is it? It's relationships, right? Like, that's it. When you're on your deathbed, the thing that you're going to be talking about is your relationship to God and your relationship to people. You'll be saying, I wish I would have spent more time with God. Or I wish I would have spent more time with my kids. I wish I would have spent more time with my wife. Relationships are everything. So here's the thing. If you want to develop and produce healthy children, children who are emotionally healthy, who are socially healthy, who are mentally healthy, then what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to develop healthy relationships in your home. Your home is the training ground for life. Does everybody understand that today? Your home. Your family is a training ground for your children. So you show me somebody who's healthy emotionally, who's got healthy relationships, and I'll show you somebody who had an excellent relationship with their parents, parents who made sure that their kids knew that they were loved and cared for. And it shouldn't surprise us because, in fact, the Scripture tells us plainly, Jesus tells us plainly 
that all the laws and all the prophets can be summed up in two commands. What are they? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. What is this? It's relationship. It's relationship with God and relationship with each other. Now, I'm not Catholic, but there it is. It's your vertical relationship. It's your horizontal relationship. Folks, if you ever look at the cross, be reminded of your vertical relationship, your relationship to God, and your relationship to each other. This is what life is about. Your job as a parent, now listen, is to bless your children through healthy relationships. The blessed and healthy kids are the kids that have a great relationship with mom and dad. This is what the Bible is about. And it's the first sign of good mental health and social health. It's ability to maintain good relationships, healthy marriages, get along with workmates. I mean, how many of us, don't put your hand up, but every one of us knows somebody at work, there's always drama around him or her. Everybody has got, how many have got a, go ahead, how many have got a drama queen at work? You know what I'm talking about? It's, and it can be a male or a female, it's still, still a drama queen. And in some of us, in our homes, some of us, we got drama queen. Listen to me. Teach your children how to have right relationships. Healthy relationships. And you will find that you will have healthy kids. This is the first line of blessing in the lives of your children. Now, I'm going to say this to you. Because some of you will say, well, what about quantity versus quality? Can I tell you this? Don't trade one in for the other. Have both. Because I can tell you this. The more time that you interact with your children, the closer and the greater will be your bond. Psychologists will say this. It is, 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 the more you spend time with your children or with any human being, the, the greater will be the bond between you and that person. And here's the amazing thing. Is that the greater the bond between you and your child or that other person in your life, the greater will be that person's desire to please you. The greater will be that person's desire to do what you do, to agree with you, to, get, to line their life up with your life. You show me a kid that is rebellious and, and, and doesn't want to follow mom and dad's rules or follow mom and dad's way of life, and I'll show you a kid who doesn't have a relationship with mom and dad. So I'm telling you today, if you've got kids and if you've got teenagers and if you've got older kids that you haven't got a great relationship with, go and make it right. Because I'm going to remind everybody today, if you're a parent, it's your responsibility first to make sure the relationship is right. It's not your kid's responsibility. It's yours. If the relationship is not what it needs to be, parents, you go and fix it. And that's what God's saying here. Repeat the commands again and again and be with them when you're at home and on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up in the morning. Be with your kids. And can I just remind everybody that a parent is not, you're not a lecturer. You go to university to hear lectures. You don't go home to hear a lecture. Anybody hear what I'm saying today? You learn how to listen to what your kids are saying. And sometimes, you know, I, how, how many how many had this experience? You, you pour out your heart to somebody, you just haven't got the right words, and you're saying it not just right, and you're and and the person who's hearing you, they're hearing your words, but they're not hearing your heart. You know what I'm saying? And you, you you're trying to talk, you're trying to share your feelings, and they jump it down your throat. Well, what do you mean by that? Why did you say that? And that's not true. Parents, shut up, shut up, and listen. God gave you two ears and one mouth. So don't you think that means you should listen twice as much as you talk? Hello? So listen to me. Listen to your kids. 
and try to hear what their heart is saying. Try to hear what, what is coming out of their heart. And if they're not just using the right words and if they're maybe saying things that are hurting your feelings a little bit, well, too bad. Because you're the parent and your job is to hear the heart of your kid and to hear what's bothering him, hear what's troubling him. I'm going to tell you this, if you'll do that, then you'll establish a relationship with your child. And if you've established this, if you've established a relationship with your your child, then you can go on to do the second thing that you need to do as a parent. And that's to pass on your values and your faith to your kids. You see, your kids, you can tell them, go to church and keep all the commandments and don't do this and don't do that. But here's the thing. If, If they don't know how much you care about them, then they don't care about what you believe in or what you what you feel, what you think is true or not. If you're going to pass on your values and pass on your faith to your kids, the first thing you're going to have to do, folks, is you're going to have to have a relationship with them. So once that relationship is established and you've got a strong, solid relationship with your kids, then the next thing you're going to do is you're going to pass on your values and pass on your faith to them. Now, here's here's the thing that I've discovered. Uh, Most parents, here, most parents, you know what they think? They think that their job is to produce kids that behave in public. Right? And they think, if my kids are not misbehaving in public, then they're good kids. You know, do you know how many kids know how to perform for their parents? They look good, you dress them up, they smell good, look good in public, but they're little hellions behind the scene. You don't know anything about it. Listen, your job as a parent is not just to produce kids that know how to behave in public. Listen, your job is to teach your kids how to behave, but that's only half the equation. The other half of the equation is that you've got to teach your kids why they need to behave. And that may be the most important thing that you will ever teach your kids. You want to teach them to behave because the Bible tells them to do that. It says that in the commandments. Remember the, the, the commandment? The only commandment that comes with a blessing attached to it. Honor your mother and father. So what? So that you may know the blessing of God and that you may do well in the land. That's, what, that's the, only t- one, the only one of the Ten Commandments that comes with a blessing attached to it. So you need to tell your kids, listen, you need to obey mom and dad so that life will be good for you. But now let's go, let's go a step further. What are the rest of the commands? And, and why should you keep them? Why should you obey these commands? You know what? I, uh, I always remember people thinking that that God was some kind of a cosmic party pooper. You know, he just wants to rain on your prayer. You want to just have fun. Girls just want to have fun. Yeah. Okay, you know what? Here's the thing. When you're 20-year-old, when you're a 20-year-old, when you're a 16-year-old, you don't know what fun is. You think that getting drunk and, and, and hugging the toilet uh, at the end of the night is a fun time. I don't know how you can figure that out, but for some reason, there's somewhere of that persuasion. Barf a lot at the end of a weekend, and you know you've had a good weekend. Okay, look at, look at. God is not some kind of a cosmic party pooper that wants to rain on your parade and wreck your fun. Here's what God wants for you. God wants you to have a great life. And so here's what he does. He gives us clear directions, clear instructions as to how we should live our life so that we would have a blessed life. If I tell my kids, kids, don't run across the street when, there's, when the traffic is busy, am I telling that because I want to wreck their fun? It's like, oh, you got hit by a car, right on. 
how's that broken leg doing for you? <laughs> if I tell him not to run across this, and by the way, can I just say this? I actually did that one as a kid. I was, I was playing a game. I was kind of stupid then. But um, I was thinking if I could run across the street and not get hit. <laughs> that was when I was about four. And I was actually quite good at it. I, I missed a lot of cars. Uh, I did eventually get hit. Um, and, uh, and boy, I got in such big trouble for that. Uh, my dad checked me over and made sure I had no broken bones, and then I got a good, you know. So the car didn't hurt me. My dad did. <laughs> you know how it is. Um, so here it is. Uh, commands, instructions, rules are in place. Why? To ensure that your kids have a great life. And God has given us commands to ensure that we have what? A blessed life. Because that's what God wants for you. But here's the thing. We think that we can do whatever we want, and then we can say, God, I'm a Christian, so therefore I demand the blessing. And God says, no, that's not how it works. If you want to know the blessing of God in your life, you've got to live the way that I'm telling you to live. And if you live that way, you will, in fact, have a wonderful life. So I explained to my kids the reason I don't want you to run across the road is, first of all, because I said so. But secondly, because if you do, you could get hit by a car and be killed. And if you get hit by a car and get killed, I'll kill you. (laughs) You hear what I'm saying? We teach our kids to obey, and we teach them why they should obey. This is your job as a parent, to explain to them the reason why We hold to the faith that we have. I'm going to tell you this. When my parents became Christians, our life radically changed. My sister is here. She'll she'll remember this. When when mom and dad began to go to church, when when my dad gave up smoking, he gave up drinking, uh, and, and all the other things that you do when you're not a believer. Suddenly there was there was disposable income. Suddenly there was there was money in the house when there never was before. And suddenly, my dad was taking us to restaurants, which we just did, never, never did that. Never went to a restaurant, ever. I can still remember going to the paddock. Anybody remember the paddock? It was at Polo Park. Those over 50 will remember that. And I remember dad bringing us there and saying, order whatever you want. And I was looking at the menu. And I said, oh, what's a surf and turf? Uh, of course, it's the most expensive thing. It was then, anyway. Steak and... Lobster, of course. Surf and turf. I said, what's a lobster? No idea. And Dad said, get it, you'll like it. And he brought along this beautiful steak. Oh, and then the lobster. And Dad says, all you do is you just dip that little piece of lobster into the bubbling butter. Is anybody salivating yet? <laughs> and you stick that piece into your mouth and you are temporarily in heaven for a short time. I can, I can remember going home and thinking, our life is so different now. I can remember so clearly. I, can, I remember who was there. I remember the sights, the smells, as though it happened yesterday. Our lives were so dramatically changed because my mom and dad decided that they were going to follow Jesus. They were going to obey God's commands. And our life improved. And dad went into business. And we started, Dad was able to buy us new clothes and instead of just hand-me-downs from the Salvation Army. Nothing against Salvation Army. Still get stuff there. But new clothes? Really? 
Anybody remember leisure suits? I had one at 13. Beautiful polyester. <laughs> With a great big collar. Anybody remember that big collar? And shirt open down to here? I was so sexy. <laughs> Our life was radically changed. Now listen to me. Listen. The ble- if you want the blessing of God on your life, then you need to live according to the commands of God. If you listen to the word of God, and if you do what the word of God says, your life will be blessed. And if you pass this on to your kids, your kids' lives will be blessed as well. And by the way, can I remind you, parents, that just because your kid turns 18 doesn't mean that he's not your kid anymore. It means that you've you got to ramp it up a little bit. It's going to get harder than ever. But you're still a parent, and you still need to speak into your children's lives. And you have the permission to do that if you have a relationship with them. This is why you've got to make sure that you do what God says. Go, go at it again and again, every day at the home, in the car, in the, on the road, at, the, at bedtime, in the morning. Be with them, talk to them, instill within them the values that have revolutionized your life. There's a fellow who came to me constantly struggling financially. I said, you know what? How many cigarettes do you smoke a day? Well, it turns out he's doing like a pack and a half, sometimes two packs a day. So we just took, took my calculator, did a little calculation. I said, you know, your life would be radically changed if you quit smoking. Besides of which, did you know that the Bible says your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? And you can't just abuse your body any old way you want? So I want to pray with you that you will stop smoking. And it wasn't long after he phoned me up and said, Pastor, I'm buying a house. I said, what? Where'd you get the money? He says, I just quit smoking. The amount of money that I was spending on cigarettes was enough to pay him, make a mortgage payment every month. My life was radically changed. I said, how do you feel about it? He goes, you know what he said? He said, I praise God for the change in my life. In 1904, uh, a social scientist by the name of uh, Max Weber, some of you may have heard of him, he wrote a book called The Protestant Ethic and the Spirit of Capitalism. And he looked at how Protestants, Protestant Christians, seemed to be doing so much better financially than anybody else. And he began to examine the way these Protestants lived their life. And he recognized that amongst the Protestant Christians, they took their Christianity with them to work. So here's the thing. They weren't just Christians on Sunday. They were Christians throughout the course of the week. He discovered that these people who called themselves Christians actually applied the commands of God to their daily living every day. And because of the way that they were living their life, God was blessing them. They, were, they didn't smoke, they didn't drink, they didn't gamble, and on and on and on. And they, they developed a prosperity, a wealth, that was unlike any other people group. And we, he saw it in Europe, he saw it in America. Lives were transformed and changed because people were living according to the commands of God. Parents were passing on their faith and their values to their kids. And their kids were experiencing and reaping the benefit of this faith life. 
back in uh, 2003, or 2000, yeah, 2003, um, a journalist decided he was going to revisit this idea of Max Weber's, the, the Protestant work ethic. And here's what he discovered. Um, in an article in the New York Times called The World, Why America Outpaces Europe. Listen to this. Um, he says that since Western Europe has become secular and has rejected the Christian or the Protestant work ethic or the Protestant way of living, the, the practical and the daily application of biblical values, he's because of that, Europe is in a slump. Listen to this. To put it bluntly, he says, we are witnessing the decline and the fall of the Protestant work ethic in Europe. This represents the stunning triumph of secularization in Western Europe, the simultaneous decline of both Protestantism and this unique work ethic. Listen to this. Listen. As soon as people reject the ways of God, as soon as people reject the commands of God. As soon as people reject that Protestant way of living, that's when society, when culture goes into decline. I'm going to tell you this. This is exactly what will happen in your marriage and in your family, at your work. But those who follow the ways of God are those who experience the blessings of God. And this is why it's so important for you to bless your children by passing on to them your values. I hear people, children, adults say this. Well, I'm just going to let my kids decide what, what kind of faith they want to have. I'll just let my kids decide if they want to be a Christian or Buddhist or whatever. Can I tell you something? That is not an option. Your job as a parent is to pass on to your kids the values that will shape their lives so that they will enjoy a great life, a blessed life. And God tells us how. You need to spend time with your kids. I mean, serious time. I mean, look your kids in the eyes and just say, talk to me. I'm not going to tell you. If your kids are not used to talking to you, they just might look at your cross side and just look like, what? who are you? What do you want? This is weird. Get away from me. Back off. Look it. Pursue it. Don't give up. Hang in there until you have a relationship. Now, I just want to close with saying this. Your job as a parent, spend time with your kids, pass on your values to them, and, and be relentless. Don't give up. Just keep hammering away. The third thing you need to do is you need to cast a vision for your kids and tell them that they're great. Tell them about what they can be. Tell them what they can accomplish. I remember hearing about the Jewish mother who introduced her kids first day of school, and the teacher said, and, and who are these kids? And she says, well, these are my children. This is the doctor, and this is the lawyer. <laughs> this is the surgeon. What is that mother doing? What's that Jewish mother doing? She is telling her kids from the youngest age that they can accomplish great things. How many people here today at some point in your life, we're told by a parent or by a teacher or by a significant adult in your life, you're stupid, you'll never amount to anything, you're a loser, 
You may as well give up. You may as well quit. You're hopeless. I was listening to a fellow being interviewed on television the other day, and he's 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 a he's an accomplished singer. Can't remember his name, but but uh, somebody asked the interviewer asked him, "Did you always know that you were going to be able to accomplish this? Did you did you always know you were going to be a great singer?" You know what he said? His the first thing out of his mouth was. My grade 8 teacher told me I was a loser and I'd never amount to anything. That was the first thing that he said in response to her question. Did you always know you'd be a singer? I can tell you this, parent. Don't you ever, ever put your kids down. Don't you ever say to them, you're, you're stupid, you'll never amount to anything. And if you have said it, then go to them on your knees with tears in your eyes and repent for your sin. Some of us have got a message playing in our head. It's that tape recorder, that message that we heard as children, and we play it, and we rewind it, and we play it again, and we rewind it, and we play it again, and rewind it. I'm stupid. I'm dumb. I'll never mount anything. I'm useless. I'm a loser. I'm a loser. I'm a loser. I'm a loser. I want you to know something today. God loves you. And to you, he would say this. You are my precious child. You are special. You were so special to him, in fact, that he sent his own son to die on the cross for you. As though you were the only person. Now, if you're one of those people that had those horrible messages given to you as children, it's time for you to break the cycle and start telling the kids and the people in your life that they're precious, that they're special, they're wonderful. They can accomplish great things. I want to just say this. I, I thank God for the people in my life. I think of Alec McNeil. The very first day I ever went to, Sunday, uh, went to church, actually, it was a boys' brigade program. And he, you know what he said to me? He said, said Alan, I'm so glad that you are in my, uh, in, in my uh, stockade. I'm so glad. And you know what, Alan? You are special to God. I never heard anybody ever say that before. You are special to God. And you know what? God's got something important for you to do. Well, I mean, I wasn't even from a Christian home at that point. My parents didn't go to church. And he was telling me these things that I was special, that I was going to amount to something. And he said, Alan, look at this achievement book. You can do all these achievements. And if you need help, I'll help you do it. And he's blessing me and telling me how wonderful I am. And I, you know, I, I just believed him. So I went home and I achieved all kinds of things. I got all kinds of badges because my teacher told me I could. And then when it came time, the pastor came and, and taught us the, the simple gospel message about how we could become Christians. He asked, does anybody here want to become a Christian? And Alec Neal just put his hand on my arm. And I looked at him and he said, do you want to ask Jesus in? I said, yeah, yeah. And I jumped to my feet and I asked Jesus into my heart. Because Alec McNeil was there telling me I could do that. began to feel the stirring in my heart that God wanted me to go into full-time ministry. My dad wanted me to go into the family business to be, to be a plumber, a worthy, a worthy occupation. And God called me to be a pastor. I remember saying to my dad, Dad, I think God wants me to be a pastor. And my dad said, are you sure? Are you sure you want to do that? Yeah, I'm sure that's what God wants me to do. I, th- I think I am anyway. I went to camp that, year, that summer, and Pete Piper, who's a boxer, 
Christian guy, he was a boxer. He was there at that camp that year, and he, he came up to me. He said, you know what, Alan? I just see the hand of God upon your life. I see an anointing on your life. I think God, God's calling you to full-time ministry. Why don't you pray about that? Is it really me? God would want me? God would choose me? I'm the son of a plumber. I'm not the son of a preacher. I said, he said, God's hand's on you, man. You're, you're a special guy. I remember going into the chapel the night and just falling on my knees before God and saying, God, if you want to use me, I'll, I'll be used. I'll, I'll, I'll do it if you want me to. And I sensed and felt at that very moment, God's calling me to be a full-time pastor. I could have been a millionaire or a pastor. And I think I'm the wealthiest man in the world. The privilege, the honor to serve God and serve his people. Are you blessing the people in your life? What, what messages are you passing on to the kids in your life? Sunday school teachers, kid club, kids club workers, what messages are you passing on to the kids? Most of us are so frazzled by life that, that most of us can only ever manage a, some screaming and some yelling. and Stop it! Be quiet! Stop fighting! Clean up your room! And on and on it goes. And God's saying, bless those kids. Love them. Think of Marilyn Wedlake. Marilyn Wedlake believed in me. 16 years old, she saw something special in my life and mentored me and challenged me and called me to, to do ministry. And, and I just kept believing me and helping me. And... Uh, when it came time for me to go to Bible school, she called me up and said, I want you to stop in. Some of you have heard this before. Stop by her house, and there sitting, sitting on, the, uh, on the couch was a stereo for me to take with me to Bible school. I was shocked. And a little bit of money to help me on my way. Wow. And then after the first year of Bible school, she came out for the awards ceremony, and I, I knew nothing about, about Bible college services. And she said, I said, you can come, but I don't know why you would come. She said, I, need to, I just need to be there, Alan. There came time to hand out the, the award to the first-year student. Um, it was quite a, quite a, a special award. And um, they called my name. And I, was, uh, I wasn't even paying attention because I, I didn't think I'd win anything. Sitting there probably doodling or chewing my fingernails or something. Called my name. Someone elbowed me beside me and they said, they called your name. You won. And I <laughs> got up, walked forward to receive the award, but there was Marilyn with a camera ready to go. Because she knew I was going to win that. She knew, nobody told her, but she knew that she knew that her, Alan Duncan was going to get that award. That's how much she believed in me. I've never forgotten that. That someone believed in me like that. I can tell you, these people blessing me the way they did absolutely revolutionized and changed my life. Parents, you have that power within you to change your children's lives. And you know what? It's not too late. 
your kids are not where they need to be right now, then go home immediately and start working on your relationship with them and start imparting your values to them. They might say it's old-fashioned, I don't want to hear it. But you know what? They need to hear it. They really do want to hear it. And you need to start blessing them and telling them they can do great things, that they can accomplish great things. That's what God wants to do. I'm going to ask the kids' club workers, if you just come and join me right here at the front. Everybody in kids' club. Marilyn asked me to do that. So quickly, jump up and uh, move quickly, please. And uh, I, I want to pray a special blessing upon you. Thank you so much. I hope I'm not embarrassing you. But I want you to know just how very precious you are, how very special you are. Um, I know that some of the workers are, are actually in Sunday school right now. But you are very special. You are pouring into kids' lives. You're investing into people's lives. And you really are the most important people in our church. I don't know if you realize that. You are making a difference in the lives of these kids. And so I want to just commission you for this fall, for this season. I want to ask you a few questions. And if you would just answer, I will. And then I'm going to pray for you. As you recognize the importance of your job. Cross Church Kids Club workers, do you promise to pray for these kids who are entrusted to you? And will you love them and care for them even when they're not terribly lovable? And will you bless them with words of encouragement, words of love, words that will pick them up, words that will give them a sense of a great future? And will you diligently prepare as you prepare to teach them and help them? And will you be diligent in working with the team to assist the team, to assist your leader in every way possible? Let's pray together. Why don't you hold hands there, team? Lord Jesus, I want to say thank you for these people who are dedicated to blessing the kids of this community. Our Kids Club program brings in kids from a community. Many of them don't hear a kind word. Many of them are, are, are the kids who are being told they're stupid. They'll never amount to anything. God, these people here today have the sacred duty, the sacred calling, the sacred opportunity of blessing these kids and giving them a sense of a great future. Father, would you put your hand upon this team? Would you bless them powerfully, mightily? Would you use them, O oh God, to make a difference in the lives of these kids? If there's anybody here today who feels the calling of God upon them to, to get involved in blessing kids' lives, God, I pray that even now you would raise them up even now that we would have people here would answer the call to say, how can I serve? God, we recognize today that it's not about me. It's not about what I want. It's about what you want, oh God, and, and the opportunity to bless these kids. God, I think of even our bus going into the community, bringing these kids in, and how they're being blessed by that team. And I thank you, thank you God, for them. I thank you for the ones who work in registration, Pray, O oh God, that when those kids come in, they would see a smiling and happy face. And as they go to their the different 
uh, rooms and ministries, I pray that they would sense the presence and the love of God. Let love just permeate this place as we bless these kids and make a difference in their lives. We pray all this in your name, Lord. Would you all stand with me, please? Stay where you are for a moment. I want to just pronounce uh, the priestly blessing upon you. If you bow your heads with me, please. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. And now, Lord, truly make your face shine upon each one. Give us the grace and the strength to bless the people in our lives. In in particular, the children that are in our care. The children that you have given to us. God, help us to be found faithful. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you.